If you have been feeling stuck and have wanted to experience a breakthrough so you can just go on with your life, don't go anywhere because our special guest, Harry Lopez, is bringing the magic today. Yes, you are here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's Dose of Money Confidence. Hola, hola, que emoción. I'm so thrilled to have you here. This is Jen Hemphill, your host. Now, I know sometimes we find ourselves stuck and no matter what we do, we stay stuck. We are looking for a breakthrough to push through this barrier, but nothing happens. Well, today I have a special guest for you who will share his wisdom on this. He is also a very special human being to me, and you will soon find out why. Let me share with you a little bit about Harry Lopez. He is a transformational coach, a leader in the consciousness industry, and he is the son of immigrants from Managua, Nicaragua. He is also the founder of Launch Latinx, a mindset and business coaching accelerator program. Lista, let's hear the magic from Harry Lopez. Bienvenido, mi amigo, the Harry Lopez. It is about darn time you come on and talk to us. I'm so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here, Jen. What an honor. When you approached me about being on your podcast, I was like, what? Really? Me? <laughs> of <Jeez>. course, really. <laughs> thank you so much. No, so thank you. Well, for you listening, I need to let you know, Harry, he coached me about a year ago. So he was my coach. And I still consider him my coach, even though we're not working together at this very moment. But the experience with him was just really phenomenal. And I just wanted to let you know how much I appreciate you because you came at a time, it was the pandemic. There was a lot of uncertainty. I was a hot mess. Like in my mind, I was a hot mess. So when somehow the stars aligned and I learned about you and I jumped in your program. I just wanted to say how appreciative I am of you because it was at a time where, like I said, I was a hot mess and you had this belief in me that I didn't have about myself. So I just wanted to say thank you before we get started. You're so welcome. And from the moment <laughs> I met you, I just saw a star. I just saw someone so powerful and See? with so much love Thank and you. so much conviction and so much desire to give back to the world in such a powerful way. So I I never saw anything but the bar that I had for you when we first oh, met. Like you're I, so kind. Even to this day, there's nothing that could ever help, like even possibly diminish what the way that I see you in the world. So it was very you're easy so to kind. support you. Thank you so much. Well, Harry, I am so excited to dig into this interview because I haven't gotten to ask some questions. And like I shared with you, any question that you're not comfortable <laughs> with, this is an easy interview. But let's go back in time 
to your upbringing and talk to us about your experiences, the lessons that you had around money. Maybe it was when you were a little boy, maybe a teenager, something about you that has really stuck to this day. My parents are immigrants from Managua, Nicaragua. They came to the U.S. in the 1980s during the Sandinista Revolution in Managua, and my parents were hopeful and had big dreams when they were living in Nicaragua, like big dreams for themselves. My dad was wanting to be a doctor. My mom wanted to be an engineer and was, they were going to school and studying and going on that track. And when the revolution happened, everything kind of shifted and they were persecuted and they left sort of like refugees in a way. And they came to the U.S. and they landed in Miami, which is where I was born and raised in the 90s. And a lot of my story of my upbringing and my relationship with money stemmed from the hardships that I witnessed my parents experiencing when I was a little boy. And my parents came here with very little money. And the, I mean, they remind me to this day all the stories and the hardships and the perils that they experienced and, you know, sleeping on shower curtains or my mom having to take three buses to get to this ceramic store to be an apprentice. My dad starting his first job as an apprentice for a, a company with glass and windows. And so they abandoned their dreams of going of like professional degrees and elite titles of doctor and engineer. And that was the hope and the dream. And that's something that never got actualized here. And my parents struggled a lot, a lot. And actually still to this day, when I was younger, I remember that during my seventh birthday, we had one of my birthday parties at Blockbuster Golf and Games, which doesn't exist anymore. I'm so sad. Oh my God. If you remember it, hello. I know. I feel you. But I had my birthday there and it was one of the first times that we had like a more sophisticated, more nice, ritzy birthday all my cousins and all my friends and where everybody was invited and there was pizza and golfing and laser tagging and all this stuff. And I was worried about how much money we were spending. Mm. And how old were you? I was seven years old. Wow. Okay. I was seven and my consciousness around money was already activated. The over-responsibility nerve that like, I have to worry if we're going to go into severe hardship. I was already operating in scarcity consciousness at a young age, super scarce, super worried. What's going to happen to my family? Are we going to survive? Is this going to hurt us? Because I grew up hearing my family be very mindful of their spending, incredibly mindful. Everything was, you can't do that. I didn't get a second grade yearbook because the price for that yearbook. I remember crying for so long because I wanted that. I wanted that memory. and. A lot of different things happened and leading to my parents' divorce when I was 10, which I believe mm. was primarily due to financial hardships and money conversations, difficult conversations around money, difficult just tensions and stress. And I grew up in that environment. My relationship with money has been heavily influenced by this story that making money has to be hard. There's a limited amount of money in the world. Money is scarce. If you have money, it's not going to last. When my parents got divorced, my mom started getting into real estate. And in 2008, I believe, the real estate crash, mm, my mom mm -hmm. was doing quite well. She was you know, starting to make a claim and she had some properties and she lost it all during the real estate crash. 
Wow. And so that experience as well is another impact, another piece of trauma that has influenced my parents. And in so influencing them, it's also influenced me. I'm an extension of my mom. And so much of what she feels gets passed down to me. I felt right. that. I felt it so hard. And yeah, <laughs> there's, wow. there's a lot there. I am sure. This episode of Her Dinero Matters is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. For a long time, I thought McDonald's was all about tempting me with their fries. But October of 2010, things changed. New duty station, husband was deployed, and I was solo parenting my two boys with no family nearby. We found ourselves at the hospital with my oldest son, and as a mom, I had an impossible decision to make, but lucky for me, the Ronald McDonald House stepped in. They opened their doors for me and my toddler, which meant I didn't have to be so far apart from either of them during this hospital stay. That's when I learned McDonald's was more than the fries. They were about supporting communities. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, me encanta. really were very aware at seven years of age in terms of very concern about your parents spending when you had that birthday party. And let's go fast forward. You became an adult. Tell us about, you were aware of their spending, but were you aware of the impact when you went off, you became an adult? I don't know your story if you left or you stayed in Miami for a while, but tell us about did you realize at that moment in time the impact that story had, or did it come at a later date? I had no idea. It was a way much later. <laughs> yeah, no idea. Totally later. It wasn't until I became an entrepreneur and became a coach, and I had to start charging for things, making my own money, not relying on a nine-to-five job to pay the bills. I remember thinking that there was only a certain amount of money that was available to me in the world. I thought that I was stuck at 60,000, I would say, that there was no more that was possible for me. I was a school teacher. I was an elementary school teacher in Nashville, Tennessee. I made $30,000 in one year and I was the happiest I'd ever been. It was the most stressed I'd ever been, but it was also <laughs> one of the happiest years of my life. I looked forward every morning waking up at 5 a.m. for my kids and I was making $30,000. Right. And as a coach today, like it's possible to make that in one day. Right. It's crazy crazy. And so I didn't know what I didn't know. And sometimes we don't think that's possible. I'm glad in terms of what we can bring in, right? What the amount of money that we can make. And I'm glad that you brought that up. So for that person that may not be an entrepreneur, maybe they're working a nine to five job that's listening right at this very moment. And is feeling what you felt in terms of you just thought 60000 that was it. You can't make any more money. What would you say to this person that's listening right now? Mm, there's no limit to what you can create in this world. There's absolutely no cap to what you can have, what you can earn. And that any story that tells you that a certain limit or number is really all that you're capable of earning and making is totally BS. Totally not true. And... It all comes down to worthiness. 
comes down to believing that you're worthy of it, that you're believing that you're worthy of more if you want it, that if you want it, you can have it, but you gotta want it. Like if you're fine with that, if you're fine with 30 or 60, great. There's nothing wrong with that. But know that if you want more and if you want to support in growing your family, developing yourself and to see what you're capable of, that the deeper that you go in working on your internal everything within your gremlins, your shadows, your doubts, your insecurities, your limitations, the more that you go deeper and deeper into healing those wounds, energetically, the more magnetic you become in the world. And a byproduct of that is money as well. As money is energy. Absolutely. Now you mentioned belief in yourself. So for that's a big one, right? Because if you don't have belief in yourself, it's hard to tackle the world, right? <laughs> so yeah. what would you say to the person that's having that difficult time and, and that belief in themselves mm. to be able to make more money, to be able to manage their money better? What would you say to that person? Yeah. First and foremost, I would acknowledge that the feeling of not enoughness is so normal and that it's okay and that it's innocent. And even though knowing that, it doesn't have to hold you back. Like you're capable of so much more. It's not the truth of who you are. The truth of who you are is never not enough. The truth of who you are is never not worthy. The truth of who you are is unlimited. Vast depths and capacity for growth and transformation and possibility and impact. The truth of who you are is unconditionally loving. And as a result, you're a soul and your soul has no limits. There's no limits to what you can achieve. There's no limits to what you can have. And grounding it on a more grounded level for someone who's listening, who's feeling like I am stuck. I don't know where to go. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't believe in myself. Oh my God. Take a moment to just pause and really tap into to you. Create space. And that's first and foremost what I believe is needed is to create some space. So maybe you want to literally in this moment just take a deep breath in or go for a walk or call a friend or organize and tidy, clean, whatever it is that you need to do, give back to yourself. Secondly, I would look at habits, patterns, and start fostering habits and systems and things in your life that are going to support you and elevating every area of your life. And how you do one thing is how you do everything. So you start elevating your habits it's going to create a ripple effect and that's going to transform so much. The next thing I would say is incorporating personal growth, personal development, learning, seeking out a mentor, seeking out a community, a mentor, a coach, a therapist, a financial coach, a, a budget, a, a bookkeeper, whatever it is to support you, reach out for help because it is hard enough as it is alone. You can't do it alone. So we're born to be in community and why not seek out support? If you're able to seek out support and let someone know that you need that you need support. I don't use help because help implies that you're helpless. And mm. I believe that we have infinite possibilities of resourcefulness and abundance within us. So reach out for support. Reach out for support. I like that. That's one thing that I noticed about you. You're very intentional with the words that you use. And I learned a lot from you with that. So support, I like that. Now, the other thing, for those of you, of you listening right now, you've noticed, I'm sure already, how calming 
it is when you hear Harry speak as he's speaking, like maybe you started listening to this podcast, you've had a rough day or something went wrong with your finances. And here he is talking. And all of a sudden, seems like your problems went away. Maybe they haven't. But you feel better. And that's the magic in Harry. So I just, I wanted to share that. Now, one of the things Mm. that you are really good at is helping people transform their business, transform from within. And of course, part of that takes what I call the woo. And now I don't know if you know this, (laughs) one of the sessions that we had there was meditation. There was that type of thing. And I was one of those people. I'm like, is really everybody with their eyes all closed? I was that <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but that wasn't because I'm like, because I know woo, but no, but partially it, it just it depends. I think maybe on the day and what's going on, but I don't consider myself woo, you know, completely all woo, right? But you really all I had to share, you've experienced help people experience breakthroughs and transformation. So what should a person that is feeling just massively stuck, you've already shed some light on this in their financial life due to experience a breakthrough, like what are some of the first steps that they can take? Mm, Yeah, great question. And you are so wonderful. You're making me giggle over here. Gosh, I appreciate your beautiful words. So thank you so much. I'm really receiving them. Really, really. My work, I believe that there's so many different ways that you can seek transformation. There's many different ways. And so you just get to, there's like a menu, a platter. And once you know the tools, it's like you've got your magic have tricks. And so I always feel like I'm walking around with a magic, like a cape, like I'm a a wizard. And there's like the mental tricks. There's the emotional tricks. There's the subconscious tricks. There's the somatic tricks. There's the spiritual tricks. So it's kind of like figuring out which one is going to align with people. And I love tapping into mental, emotional, spiritual. And of course, I bring in the woo-woo into my work. I love it. And so a lot of my work is reprogramming unconscious beliefs, unconscious programming and patterning, and realizing that so much of who we are comes down to our thoughts, actions, beliefs. So much of it comes down to our thoughts and our beliefs. And so that's where I typically begin with clients. It's really investigating the thoughts that are running the script, running on autopilot, that have been running for many people for 30, 40, 50 years of programming and operating in one way. And so much of it is based on survival programming. So much of it is based on this is going to keep me safe because we fundamentally believe that life is dangerous. The world is dangerous that it's dangerous for me to put myself in visibility, that it's dangerous for me to leave my nine to five and go on my own, that it's dangerous for me to call off this relationship because I don't know that I'm worthy of attracting another partner in my life. It's dangerous for me to speak up. It's dangerous for me to do all these things. And so when we stop, we slow down the conditioning. We see it as just innocent. It's just there to keep us safe. We're able to question it. We're able to witness it, collect it, capture it, bring presence to it. inquire into it, forgive it, and release it, and rewire programming. And so a lot of my work is mental, but it's also emotional. It's really tapping into the heart. It's tapping into forgiveness. It's tapping into compassion. It's tapping into how do we support you in removing yourself out of the mind and into the heart. It's about understanding, am I coming from my trauma or am I coming from my love? Am I coming from my heart? Mm -hmm. 
Am I operating from trauma? Am I operating from fear-based programming and thinking? Or am I coming from possibility thinking? Am I coming from my highest self, my truth? Whatever you name it, from God, from Christ's consciousness, from love, that's really where the magic is. That's where the truth of who you are. So it's really tapping into your essence, the emotional. Then we go into the spiritual. And so the spiritual is about really tapping into a higher level of consciousness. It's about tapping into love and to, to Christ, to God, to Jesus, universe, spirit, whatever you call it, and allowing yourself to be guided by unseen forces. And that's one of the things that I see across the board with some of the most successful clients I've ever had, you included, and like successful entrepreneurs and leaders of our time, is that oftentimes they're walking with some level of faith. Because everything in this life is temporary. Everything in this life is uncertain. So they're walking with faith and being guided by faith, being guided by spirit, tuning in and tapping into synchronicities and alignment and the magic and miracles of life is a beautiful way to view the world and to be in the world. And for people that don't believe that faith is real, anytime you get into a car, faith. Anytime you walk outside of your house, you're having faith. Anytime you get on an airplane, that's faith. And so really rooting yourself and deeply tapping into faith and spirituality in that way, in my opinion, has been really powerful. And then there's the somatic. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Ways of approaching transformation is like, what's coming up for me in my body? and I just, I'm in the process of reading The Body is Not an Apology, and it is mind-blowing. It is phenomenal. I highly recommend it. Everybody should read it. I can't remember the name of the author, Renee Taylor. We'll look it up. The Body is Not an Apology. Highly recommend it. But The Body Keeps the Score. That's another great book. The Body Knows. The Body Just Knows. We store so much in the body. Everything, all trauma, sensations, somatic, memories, everything. And so we can really tap into the energy of the body to understand where to go. So to answer your question, just to ground it, slow down your thoughts and understand mm. that they're not you. They're just trying to keep you safe. No negative or positive, just neutral. It's innocent. It's like an innocent child. What is the story that I've created that holds me back the most in my life? I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of this. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the answers. No one's going to take me seriously. I don't have the degrees. They're going to judge me. I don't fit the look. I don't fit the role, et cetera, et cetera. Before we continue, I have a brief message to share. Her Dinero Matters is supported by First Republic Bank. First Republic Bank has made it their mission to understand their clients' needs and provide them an unparalleled level of service. With a relationship-based approach to banking, First Republic provides tailored solutions to individuals and businesses with their financial needs. At any stage of life, whether it's opening a savings account, buying your first home, or starting a family, First Republic's commitment to personal service is designed to change the way you feel about banking. See how putting clients first always comes first at First Republic Bank. Visit firstrepublic.com today to learn more. That's 
firstrepublic.com member FDIC equal housing lender. Yeah, my gosh, I'm still learning, learning, always learning. And thank you for sharing that. Now I'm curious, what do you say? Because like I mentioned, and I confess to you in one of the sessions, I was that one person like, are people really with all their eyes closed during this meditation? Anyways, so <laughs> I'm curious, what do you say to that person that I believe there you need to have some, right? Even that me, the rebel at the very beginning, I believe you need to have some woo. But for those that are rebels with a woo and are needing something more practical, more tangible, what would you say to those people in terms of them feeling stuck? And what is a step that they can take? Absolutely. That maybe can be partially woo and, and <laughs> partially yeah. practical. Well, a lot of my work goes deep, deep transformation. So if you want deep transformations, you got to go deep. You got to get uncomfortable. You got to stretch. The old level of programming won't work. It's, uh, it's about adopting new ways and stretching yourself. So getting uncomfortable, discomfort. For those that are looking for pr very practical tools and techniques, if you are catching yourself in a moment of suffering, the fastest way out of suffering is gratitude. So just start saying two to three things you're grateful for and just go down the list. Start implementing a very crisp, solid energizing morning ritual that sets you up for success. Wake up at the same time every single day. There's studies and there's books on this, like those who wake up really early, those who wake up later in the day, those who wake up very late, those who are going to bed early, going to bed later. And so just create a system that works for you. It's all going to come down to your patterns and your habits. Create a system that works for you and create a morning ritual where in your morning ritual, you can show up for you first and foremost. And the work is really about self-love at the root of it. We don't say that. We don't market it as that, but it's really about loving the self and everything, the compassion, the mental, the emotional. It's really all an invitation to walk deeper into love. And so for the practical folks, set up a morning ritual that is killer, sets you up for success that you fall in love with, that helps you feel energized. Dr. Joe Dispenza says that if you're implementing a meditation, he talks about meditation a lot. And he recommends an hour-long meditation where you don't get up until you feel so full of love for yourself that it is reaping out of you. It's like, ugh, it's a stench. So you just want to love yourself. And everything is a loving practice. For those that are in complete suffering, gratitude. Another thing, if you're feeling completely stuck, movement. Movement creates mm. momentum. Movement creates momentum. And so if you're feeling stuck, go outside for a walk. Feel the earth. Go barefoot if you want to. Feel it. Feel. So much of our experience is numbing and not allowing ourselves to feel. So the more that you can give yourself opportunities to feel, the better. Go for a run. Go for a hike. Go to a class. That movement is going to really support you. Hydration. For the entrepreneurs that are listening to this, most entrepreneurs, I mean, we're all human, but entrepreneurs especially are like extra dehydrated because there's so much that we're thinking about and so much that we're juggling and balancing and we're wearing so many hats. It's incredibly unreasonable, but leadership is unreasonable. Nothing about leadership is reasonable. Nothing about entrepreneurship is reasonable. All of it is uncomfortable. It's all about going into the future, braving the wilderness, daring yourself to be seen and willing to face the discomfort of potentially being judged. 
And judgment for so many of us is scary because we don't want to be left alone. We don't want to be abandoned or criticized or rejected or ostracized. And from an evolutionary standpoint, that means that as a hunter-gatherer, I'm used to being in my tribe. I'm used to being in my packs. We support each other and we survive best there. And if I'm putting myself out to be preyed on, I'm going to be left alone. I'm going to die. So it's akin to death. And when we slow that down and we realize that that's where we're coming from, we're able to have so much compassion for ourselves in this journey and create quantum leaps. Beautiful. Wow. There's so much there. Now that you shared with us some fantastic tips for the woo and the non-woo people, (laughs) tell us a little bit about your own transformation. You kind of gave us little tidbits, right? your upbringing, how your family came here. I don't know what age you, you're a teacher, right? I don't know what age you taught kids, but I can totally see that. I can completely see that to now an entrepreneur. So what was that pivotal moment for you? And you know, what was that transformation? What does that transformation look like for you? Yeah. First and foremost, I find it important to just acknowledge that I have not arrived. And I think so much of my growth and so much of my journey in this work has been about being vulnerable and authentic about that, that I'm still doing it. I'm still working on it. Like I still have breakdowns constantly this week, many times this morning. And it's important for me to share that because so many times we're listening in on these interviews with these speakers and coaches, and we think they have it all together. Mm. And I just want to normalize that I don't, that it's hard. That it's so scary sometimes. My story started eight years ago when I was with Teach for America. I was a school teacher and I had the hardest time as a teacher. I learned how to be a teacher in one summer, in four weeks. And then I was thrown into a classroom as a 22-year-old and I was expected to teach kids. And it was so hard. It was so difficult. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing on day one. Thankfully, I had coaches that were coming into my classroom supporting me, but I was on my principal shit list. She had it out for me. She was mean to me. She, I was scared every single day of getting fired. Four months, though. Four weeks. Oh, good Lord. Four weeks. I learned how to be Holy. a teacher in four weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's and usually to get a teaching certification. Years. How long does it usually? How many? Years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You're incredible. That experience. And damn, I haven't taught, I haven't talked about this in a while. And it's, it's shaped so much of who I am. I was working as a teacher every single day the first year. And I was so scared. I was scared for my life. I was scared because I was used to being a really good kid. I was scared for the kids that I was given because I was like, am I going to be able to deliver for them? I was scared for their parents because they're counting on those kids here in the US. All my kids were immigrant and refugee kids from Sudan, Kurdistan, Egypt, Somalia. They were in third grade with me and they were behind. They Mm. needed a teacher who knew how to get them results. And they brought me in because of my results in college. But I I didn't know how to be a teacher, but I knew how to be a leader. I had been a leader Mm. my whole life. I had run my Boy Scout troop growing up. I was teaching karate classes in my studio. I was third degree black belt, 2004 world champion. I knew how to be a leader. I knew that I could show up. And I knew that despite the breakdowns, that I was going to freaking learn everything I could about this profession. Oh.
I'm taking a quick second to interrupt your listening to remind you, this show relies on your support to continue to grow. If you get a ton of value, it would mean everything if you can hit the follow button on wherever you listen to, share with a friend, and give us a quick and honest review. Gracias y te mando muchos abrazos. And so I felt like I was Mulan when she went to <laughs> when she went to like the training camp. Let's defeat the Huns. You know, I really, really, really felt like Mulan. Like I was going in there, I was like deer on the headlights, like so out of place. The other teachers like totally judging me. I felt very judged by them. And I was so scared. But I channeled that fear into going to every, listening to every workshop. I was going, getting so much feedback from my coaches. I was reading books like Teach Like a Champion and Equity First and Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together? I was literally reading everything I could. I was learning about instructional teaching. I was learning about elementary education. I was learning about class, race, privilege. I was learning about inequities in education system. And I was waking up earlier than I had ever been before. I was staying in my classroom till super late at night. And what that taught me was real work ethic. Like I learned work ethic as a teacher. I learned what it means to really roll up your sleeves and to go all in like I never had before. Mind you, I learned work ethic from my immigrant parents. I saw them struggle my whole life. I saw them work. I knew how to work. Teaching took that work ethic to a whole nother level. So when I see clients that come to me and they're like, I'm trying, I'm like, no, you're really not. No, you think you are, you're not. I'm transparent about that too. While being vulnerable and honest and authentic about like well, the realities of what's coming up. And so that was my experience as a teacher. I was asked by the second year as a teacher, my students were having extraordinary results. Like our mayor came to our classroom and spoke to my kids. Like we were featured everywhere. My students expanded pathways in their education. And so as a result of that, the region of Teach for America asked me on board to come on board to coach their teachers. And so I was supporting teachers in Nashville. I had a caseload of 30 teachers, 15 different schools from pre-K to 12th grade. And that was my next struggle. That was another challenge right there. Mm. So I had to learn how to be a coach. And that was the beginning of my journey into coaching. So I was going to school every Tuesday for coaching and was directly implementing everything that I was learning with coaching with my teachers and their students. And so it was like more impact. It was more pressure. Started seeing a therapist for the first time. Mm. But I fell in love with coaching that year. And the tools that I was learning for in supporting teachers, I saw that they were transferable with humans. And so that was the beginning of my entire career the into coaching and what I'm doing today. After that year, I continued working with coaches. I started hiring life coaches and leadership coaches and business coaches and spiritual coaches and shamans and energy healers. I started going to sacred ceremonies and really diving into the spiritual practitioner pathway. I saw that there are so many different tools, so many different methodologies and modalities to go about transformation. And so as I was supporting others and transforming, I was transforming myself one conversation at a time. I was holding space for people. I was listening to their wounds and their shadows and just supporting them and seeing that they had all the answers within them to create whatever results that they wanted. I'm different from a therapist. I'm not going into the past. I'm focusing on the future. And I'm different from a mentor. A mentor gives you advice, tells you what to do. 
I'm a coach. I'm a trained coach. And I support and hold space and I ask powerful questions to elicit and evoke in my clients their own authentic responses, their own authentic conclusions so that they can show up authentically in the world. And my job is really to hold you in that bar so that you know that you have everything you need within you. You have all the power. You're in the driver's seat. You're the CEO. And so my personal transformation, it just continued happening. The more that I was working with clients, I realized I can only take my clients so far as I've gone within myself. And so behind the scenes, I was just continuing my learning. And all of the best personal growth journeys for me have been as a result of me breaking myself open. Mm. It's like, it's never come from being comfortable. It's always come from getting incredibly uncomfortable and unreasonable. It's been meditating on a mountain for eight hours and crying my eyes out, screaming at the top of my lungs and releasing. It's been from getting incredibly honest, direct feedback about who I am, how I'm being and how I'm showing up in the world. And I remember that when I did that and through an emotional intelligence training, I cried myself to sleep for a week. I would wake Mm. up crying because it was feedback that I never wanted to hear. It's feedback about myself that I, (laughs) I would, you know, before have pinned as just super negative, super critical, like not productive, but the ego is going to be wounded by those kinds of things. The ego hates resistance in that way. The ego hates stillness. So the more stillness and compassion, truth you can bring to it, the more that it'll diminish, that it'll just lift. And so my transformation as well was I was a scared little boy showing up a scared little boy in the world, deeply afraid of my voice, so afraid that people would find out my secret mm-hmm. around my sexual orientation, so deeply afraid that people would think I'm soft or to this, to that, not capable, not this. But who I am today is exactly how I show up in my work. And I don't try to be someone that I'm not. My work is about trying and working to be the most authentic version of myself possible. And in that, just being courageous to show that side of myself. It's taken tremendous courage. And my contract, my affirmation that I come back to every day, every single day, whenever I'm scared, is I'm a confident, courageous, committed leader. I'm a confident, courageous, committed leader. And I come back to that every time I'm scared. Every time I don't, I want to hide or play small or diminish myself or not take the mic or whatever it is, just curl back into a rock. I'm a confident, courageous, committed leader. And that zaps me back into possibility, zaps me back into my heart. Oh, wow. Harry, this has (laughs) been such a beautiful conversation as always. Each time I talk with you, I feel more calm. I feel like like you don't even know how to describe it. Like I said, you have this magic ability to calm people, to help them just see themselves different. And how you coach, like you are a true coach, right? You, you, like you said, you hold space. And that's something that I've learned, even though I've called myself a coach. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm even changing that name as we speak with a kind of a little bit of a rebrand and everything, just because you do have to hold space and you can't tell people what to do versus you, like you say, ask those questions to help guide them in the path that they're wanting to take, right? And that takes definitely training, uh, definitely some training. It's not just something, oh, you just can 
come up with a question. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your story and sharing all the wisdom that you shared with us today. I really appreciate you, Harry. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. I appreciate you so much more than you can possibly imagine. Oof. Isn't Harry so soulful and wise beyond his ears? You heard that he was my coach and I am just a tad bit older than him, but we will leave that alone (laughs) because I am trying to adjust, still trying to adjust to the fact that I have a son in college. So we'll just leave that one alone. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to connect with Harry. He has so much fun to be around. And yeah, his reels are so funny. So go ahead and connect with him at the Harry Lopez. I will also link that in today's show notes. Also, don't forget that if when listening to this podcast, you have a question and you want an answer, but you're afraid to ask it, or you don't know how to get this answer. Well, hello, I am here. All questions are welcome. Don't be shy and go ahead and ask me your questions. I've made it really easy. You can go to jenhempill.com forward slash ask Jen. It's as simple as leaving me an audio message if you choose to, or you can just send me an email. Remember asking that question is also helping someone else because someone else may have that same exact question, but is just too afraid to ask. So ask, ask, ask. I'm here for you. Next week, it is just you and me where we will be talking about financial habits and changes that we can make to really make them stick and have incredible results. Remember, the year is coming to an end and At the end of the year, we're looking for ways to improve and changes that we can make to start off the new year strong. And so that is an episode that will help you. What you will hear in that episode has been inspired by a book that I have been reading. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear, just in case you want to check it out before the episode. Bueno, pues, that is everything. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Be sure to check out the show notes over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 285. Remember that being the reina of your money starts now, right at this moment, simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Ciao.